RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Right there, between a Monday and a Wednesday, where I expect to find it. It's Tuesday night, and that means it's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Yes, it is Mission Log Live. When you and John and I get together to talk track, Star Trek specifically, here's how it works. We bring on a guest, we ask them questions, then we bring you on and you ask them questions. And oh, what a time we have. Of course, for that to work, uh, you have to get in touch with us. And here's how that works. You can click on the link to our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also call us if you're feeling all retro. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments. Then you can be part of our merry, merry band. Joining us this week, Star Trek expert, friend of the show, and Eagle Moss's own Ben Robinson. Ben has more Star Trek knowledge in his pinky than I have in my entire body. Um, I would say that he's forgotten more Star Trek than I'll ever know, but I would be surprised if he's forgotten anything Trek-related. Plus, I forget almost all the Trek stuff all the time. So feel free to dive deep, join our Zoom meeting, use the one tap from your smartphone, or give us a call, 669-900-6833. Hey, I'd like to say hello to the people who are already joining us on Facebook and joining us in the chat. There's Kim, there's William, there's David, there's John Cooley. Oh, we know you, John Cooley. There's Mr. Willie, there's Peter, there's Steve, there's Evan. Will says a big hi, guys, exclamation points in tow. So welcome to the show, everybody. And we hope that you... Yeah, wait, oh, wait. I'm sorry, did did you say Mr. Willie is in the chat room? I said Mr. Willie is in the chat. All right. Yeah, he's right. He says, hi, hi, Ken and John. He got both of our names right. Nice. Um, Be safe, dude. Batten down the hatches. Come on. I can't believe you're here. All right. It's good to see you. Right. Uh, Carlos says, yay, Ken has, Carlos says, yay, Ken has been released from Moonbase Alpha. Um, Yeah. Momentarily. And there's Ben and there's there's so many people. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, we hope that you pose your questions and comments for Ben when we have him on in just a moment. So thank you to everyone who is watching live on Facebook or on YouTube. And thank you to the people who are catching the video later. And finally, thanks to the people who are listening to the audio only version of the show. It's not just about this show, though. The Roddenberry Podcast Network is a network of podcasts available at podcast.roddenberry.com. You got your mission log, you got your mission log live, the Trek files, women at warp and priority one. Collect them all at podcast.roddenberry.com. And finally, please validate our collective existence wherever and whenever you're watching or hearing this show. You know what to do. You head to the source, you hit like, you hit share. You write a review or you give us five stars. All we need is love. All we need is love. Love is all we need. Love is all you need? That's all we need. Love is all we need. Okay, fair enough. Hey, I want to remind people about some stuff that we have coming up, uh, you know, after they're done giving us all those stars and doing all that rating and liking and what have you. Uh, Stuff in Sansar, which, of course, is the VR platform with which we're working Uh, this Thursday. Oh, my goodness. The next uh, VR event is this Thursday. It is round one of the Mission Log 2018 Trivia Tournament. Three contestants walk in, and it's not a blood sport, okay? Three are going to walk out as well, but only one (laughs) will advance. In other words, it is a trivia tournament. That's this Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Other times, other places, check your local listing. Uh, Sensar.com, by the way, is where you go to sign up. All you need is a machine that runs Windows for that. Okay, now for the full VR thing, you do need either an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive, but you can join in the fun without those things. You download the app, you create your free account, and you dress your avatar. It all starts at sansar.com. And then, John, you were teasing last week that we were going to have a special guest coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, do, do, you want to, do you want to spill the beans? Do you want to say the name? Do you want to say the magic words? Tease no more. If we, if we say his name three times, does he just magically appear? He is <laughs> our... our- he is our friend and uh, uh, sometimes guest on this show, the one and only Academy Award winning Doug 
Drexler. So he will be your guide in the Nexus on the 27th. Do not miss that. Whether you're joining us with Oculus or you're joining us on a desktop, you know that he is somebody who you wind him up and let him go. And he has got stories to tell. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it is that excites him in the Nexus. I mean, first of all, I can just imagine him picking up everything everything that you can actually pick up in the Nexus, I would imagine he will do. But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, hearing the stories that he has about the stuff that turns him on. So that is uh, Thursday, the 27th of September, also in Sansar. And that, again, will be uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. I think that's the time we're going to stick to because that seems to work best for people on the East Coast and on the West Coast. And uh, people in England uh, stay up late, get up early. I'm sorry. I wish there was... You know, more I could do about that. Maybe we yeah, will. What about our listeners in Auckland or uh, or Tokyo or yeah. Kyoto? Sure. Uh, yeah. What about yeah. them, John? Yes. What yeah. about them? I'm going to get you on that. Okay. Is that I'll okay? Work on it. Yeah. Um, work uh, on something it. else that we need to uh, something else we need to hit. We've got a uh, we've got another poll question because we tend to keep doing those. Do you want to go over uh, last week's? Yeah, so last week, of course, we had Rick Sternbach on. It just seemed appropriate with a guy who has spent so much time designing uh, space hardware, Star Trek hardware, that we would ask you, spacesuits or spaceships? We know it's, it's almost unfair because all of our questions are unfair, if you haven't caught on to that yet with our <laughs> polls. Uh, and a whopping 12% of you said uh, spacesuits. 88% of you said spaceships. Now, I'm going to assume that my spaceship has a spacesuit in it, but um, you got a little more room to stretch out in a spaceship. So maybe that's why I can. Maybe that's There's why. absolutely no reason to assume that there is a spacesuit in your spaceship. Remember all the people who are freaked out that there might be zero G in a spaceship, that there might be no gravity. So, uh, yeah. so today's question, uh, by the way, this is kind of interesting. Uh, today's uh, poll question in front of the camera or behind the scenes. And speaking of behind the scenes, look at that. <laughs> look what I found or what found me or something. Can't get rid of him. Guys, oh, always wow. behind the scenes. That's so weird. It's like he's, it's like he's in my head. Kind you of. You know, when we say, when we say Rod's got your back, he, he like in a creepy way. Yeah. He's got yeah. It yeah. is creepy. And they're all saying they love you, by the way. Okay. They're not saying anything I about you. I was creepy. Being creepy at all. Oh, no. Okay. Nothing not creepy a, about this. Nothing. Bye. <sighs> yeah. So when it comes to your fandom, what interests you more? That's the poll question. Uh, what we see in the TV shows and movies, the stuff that actually gets seen, or is it stuff behind the scenes? Is it the stuff that went into making it? The stuff that never made production? Is it the actors that turn you on or the people who wrote what the actors acted? These are the kind of questions that we're asking when we say in front of the camera or behind the scenes. Uh, so far, there are lots of people who like to... Um, who like to hear about the things they didn't see. 65% say behind the camera. 35% say in front of the camera. Don't forget, we're running that poll all the way through the end of this show and then well past the end of this show, all the way to the beginning of the next show. That's how much time you have. So it's like it's like 12 hours, 15 maybe, John? I don't know. It's, oh, it's yeah, time. At least. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I was thinking about that and, and thinking back to being a little kid and watching Star Trek for the first time and Star Wars for the first time. And, and I love the fantasy and the stories of all of that. But I also, I know from a very young age, wanted to know what made all of that work. Like, it, it, we know that the spaceships and phases and all that aren't real. But the real things that exist, the real props that the prop makers had to make and the sets that had to be built, I, I wanted to know about that even before I really understood how it was that movies got made. So um, I definitely fall down on the behind-the-scenes guy, even though, uh, well, you and I spend the majority of our week talking about what's on screen. Um, yeah, but I mean, we do get we I mean, we get these wonderful opportunities like, well, like talking to tonight's guest. But do you remember you must have been this guy as well on Nickelodeon? There was a show hosted by Leonard Nimoy called Lights, Camera, Action. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. That was always that was always sort of my favorite because occasionally you would have a star, but you wouldn't have the star doing the whole thing. Like I remember Christopher Reeve being interviewed about. Sadly, I think it was about Superman three. But, but I mean, still, it was neat to see people, you know, uh, sort of step out from in front of the camera and do some of the behind the camera, behind the scenes stuff. So anyway, that's our poll question. And we do hope that people will uh, take part. And uh, and I teased the guest, not to his face, 
<laughs> but John Don't never tease him to his face. No, but uh, well, well, we're welcoming a, a Star Trek expert. And uh, if you're Ben Robinson, you know, you start out as a fan growing up watching TOS and then absorbing everything that came after it. And then you might move on to being an editor and writer for the Star Trek Fact Files and later Star Trek, the magazine. And, oh, let, let's say you add in a little book consulting and maybe interviews and collaborations with some of the most important behind-the-scenes figures in Trek history, like Andrew Probert, Nicholas Meyer, and Robert Wise, and and the late, great Matt Jeffries. And, and then on your your path, your journey to being a Star Trek expert, you could parlay that into a job as the go-to Trek person for huge collections uh, for, for fans, like, say, Eagle Moss, making sure that their teeny tiny starships are up to scratch. That's the journey that our guest took, and our guest has done all of that and more. Please welcome Ben Robinson to the show. Hello. <laughs> there he is. I am. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Ben. A pleasure to have you here with us, a, uh, a Trek expert with deep bona fides in the, uh, in the franchise and behind the scenes. So uh, glad to have you with us tonight. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have forgotten more than I know, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. We'll I, put that to the... Yeah. Having hung out with you just in the past 24 hours, I find that hard to believe because you have been encyclopedic. I mean, unless you're just making stuff up, which I guess is possible, no, no. but like, no, no, you, no open, you open a drawer and you're like, that's from that. That's from this. This is from those things. And I was blown away because you said names and such that I hadn't even heard. I've got a question though. In getting ready for tonight, you and I are roughly the same age. Why Star Trek and not Star Wars for you? How does Star Trek end up being the thing? Or are you general fandom and Star Trek just happens to be what we know you most from? Um, no, I think Star Trek more than anything. I mean, I grew up in the UK, so Doctor Who was a big thing for me as well. Um, I think the fact that it was on every week um, made a big difference to me. Star Wars, I was like very excited when I went to see Star Wars, but then I had to wait three, four years for the next one. So I got a bit impatient. I mean, I'll tell you something that's funny. I, this is um, Doug Drexler was responsible for me discovering that they weren't making Star Trek anymore. So I was growing up in the UK and I was watching Star Trek and I had no idea that they'd stopped making it in 1969. So until I bought uh, one of Doug's poster magazines in 1976 when I was seven, I guess. Uh, and I was reading it and it, it said, they, oh, you know, talking to William Shatner, what have you been doing since the, the series ended? And I was horrified to discover the series had ended and that there weren't going to be any more episodes. Wow. That's uh, that must have been a tragic day for you. It was. <laughs> I still have to recover. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, let's uh, talk a bit about your uh, your Trek journey. Then um, you 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 have this affinity that that I'm finding very interesting. Uh, and by the way, for those of you who are watching or listening, as Ben said, that uh, he lives in the UK. But he is currently visiting L.A., which is why we have the pleasure of welcoming him on the show at a, at a normal time for you. Um, and Ben has been kind enough and interested enough to kind of look through some of the Roddenberry collection and, and uh, give all of us some ideas of, uh, of what's in Gene's drawers, as we say. Uh, so what I'm interested in here, you have this affinity for lost Trek. That, that sort of nebulous period in the 70s. And um, it's all that stuff from the end of the original series to the, the premiere of uh, the motion picture. There are all these false starts and, and series that didn't happen and movies that didn't happen. I'm curious, you know, what are the holy grail items that that you've seen that re really get you excited? I don't just mean anything you've seen here, but just in, in your years as a Trek expert uh, that you can share with us. And, and then the follow-up to that, what are you still looking for? What are those missing pieces? Well, the thing that I'm particularly obsessed with is uh, what's now known as Phase 2, but was actually known as Star Trek 2 uh, in the mid-'70s, which was uh, an abortive TV series that was going to bring all of the original series cast, apart from Leonard, uh, apart from Spock, back. Um, and that, that morphed into um, Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, but before that uh, is the stuff that is the kind of the most obscure of the obscure. Um, and you have some things here in these drawers that are related to it. Um, 
They were going to make, uh, there was a film that was going to be made in uh, 1976, 1977. Um, it was directed by Philip Kaufman or would have been directed by Philip Kaufman. Uh, it had Ken Adam as a production designer, Ralph McQuarrie as a concept artist. Uh, and there are various bits and pieces. So there was a, an enterprise which is part of the inspiration for the discovery that was designed by Ken Adam. So anybody who um, looks at Discovery and says, oh, I don't like that, has to remember that that was fully approved by Gene back in 1976, 77, uh, and was designed by probably the greatest production designer who ever lived. So um, there's stuff related to that, uh, which I always get excited by. Uh, one of the things about it is we don't know what else there is. Um, Ken Adam and Ralph McQuarrie were on that film for um, up to six months, certainly more than three or four months. Uh, and you would think uh, that there would be more stuff than we've seen. So somewhere out there, there may well be be more of that. Interesting. All right. So, uh, by the way, we're, we're getting comments from people who obviously know your Eagle Moss work, mm -hmm. and we can talk about how you kind of came to that. Um, but I, I just want to jump in with something. Uh, John Cooley right now says, um, hey, can we please have a motion picture dry dock? <laughs> he says, that would be amazing. I, for one, would just go nuts alternating docking my TOS and TMP enterprises. I'm, I'm sure that John also wants it to be suspended around the ship without any visible means of support. Um, yeah, yeah. And to have dental mirrors in it. Yeah, right. I was going to say, John, you and I joke all the time about chasing each other around various offices or, you know, places with the tiny little ships. Uh, one of us could hold the dry dock and the other could just walk around that person for an hour. Yeah, that, that would be the shot. That would be the shot. That Thank be, you. Yeah. That would be the shot over and over again. I have a question for you. There was... So when John is asking about the stuff that you're most interested in, I mean, it, it's been interesting talking to you. There are things that are sort of like ancillary. It's like, I mean, obviously you're into the ships and, and we'll talk more about those in a bit. And then there are things that nobody has seen or, or that, you know, very few people have seen like scripts and things that weren't produced. Some people know the deep story on things like that. I'm thinking about sort of the in-between stuff like, Stacks of stationery, like old, old programs from things and things like that. I mean, is there anything, I guess there are a number of things that I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about you. Like, are there things like, like real world things? Like you heard about a guy who had a thing one time that you've seen, are you personally a collector of ephemera or do you like building collections for other people? Um, I mostly like building collections for other people. My, my obsession is, is concept art. So um, a lot of that's digital, but I have um, a large trunk full of copies. And I'm not interested in the originals particularly, but I'm interested in seeing how things evolved and how they changed. So the one, the one Star Trek thing I really allow myself to collect is concept art. Um, and uh, unproduced scripts I have a real yen for. So, so it's almost, it, it almost sounds like in talking to you, you're – is it because the things on screen have already happened? I mean, there's only one way they could go, whereas... I've watched them 10 times. Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that. I mean, for sure. There's, I think it's always fascinating to see what could have been, but what wasn't. Um, you know, I would like to have seen Lloyd Bridges as Captain Kirk. Uh, that was a very, very real option. That nearly happened. Um, or um, uh, the actor who played Steve McGarrett. He, he wanted too much money, so we didn't end up with him. Um, so that's kind of, you know, mirror universe kind of stuff where things worked out differently is always interesting. That blows my mind. I've never heard that Jack Lord might have been, uh, might have been Kirk. Yeah, right? he wanted too much money. He wanted, I think it would have been Pike that he would have been rather than Kirk. But uh, that makes sense. Yeah, he, was, he was offered it and uh, they couldn't arrive at terms because he wanted too much money. Yeah. As, as it happens, speaking of lost track, yeah. Um, I, I, I want to talk about sort of, you spent a good chunk of time, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, with Fact Files, mm -hmm. Star Trek the Magazine, and then collaborating on books. And you got to really do a deep dive. Some of those standouts, uh, you know, Robert Wise, uh, Nicholas Meyer, Leonard Nimoy, I believe you yep. uh, 
interviewed on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Matt Jeffries, um, that that sort of became the definitive interview with Matt Jeffries. Um, that you spent a lot of time with him. It was a multi-part series, I believe, that you did with him. I, well, I spent um, Matt. Matt was very friendly with us. We we knew him very well. Um, I went out to his house and spent an afternoon there with him just going through stuff. So uh, I actually still have his uh, NBC folder of transparencies of all the original um, art that he still had. Um, and we just kind of talked through it and, you know, tried to sort of get him to remember why things were the way they were, which he did pretty well. Um, and we got on. He was a really nice guy. Did uh, were there any revelations that came out of that? Like, um, uh, you know, either his inspirations or, or, or uh, say, you connecting the dots about how 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 he came up with the designs that he did for Star Trek. Um, the biggest revelation, the one that made me laugh for quite a long time, was that he uh, went on to work on Little House on the Prairie, um, and that when he was designing the Enterprise again for. Um, the abandoned TV series we were just talking about, he actually was doing it while he was working on Little House on the Prairie and eventually had to stop because Michael Landon was getting annoyed that he wasn't uh, available for, for the rest of his work. And he loved Little House on the Prairie. He loved all that kind of country stuff. Yeah, um, yeah Matt, was, I mean, Matt was very down-to-earth, very matter-of-fact, uh, very much a craftsman. Uh, he was always kind of amazed that people... Uh, paid so much attention to the Star Trek work and made so much fuss about it. Um, uh, he was a real kind of part of that, you know, that greatest generation. This is a man who, you know, uh, fought in the Second World War. Um, and I think it gave him a kind of different perspective on all the the stuff that was going on. Now, you mentioned phase two again, and I'm, I'm curious because uh, you know a lot about that missing period. Mm-hmm. Planet, of the, Planet of the Titans, uh, the God thing, phase two, there were stories, there were scripts written for phase two, and then mm-hmm. more story concepts beyond the scripts that were actually fleshed out. What do you think that, you know, that we can speculate as long as we want, but but what do you think are the the, the pieces of track that would have actually been fantastic that had they actually been produced. What are you glad are the minds that we avoided that did not get produced as Star Trek? Cause I've, I've seen some of these stories too. I've seen some of these scripts and I think, wow, uh, Star Trek really dodged a bullet. Oh, well, yes, yeah, some of them, <laughs> um, but some of them, I mean, some of them, some of the story ideas are really clever. And then you realize that you see people realizing that like, okay, how are we going to do this? So there's uh, one episode when Decker falls into a machine that turns him into a two dimensional uh, being. And he's kind of walking around. It's quite like, actually quite like the Enterprise, the TNG episode, uh, Next Phase. But he's kind of walking around the ship, but they can't see him because he only exists in two dimensions. And then about halfway through, there's this memo from Gene saying, how are we going to portray this on screen? And you suddenly see them kind of going, oh, yeah, that was a really good idea, but I don't know how we're going to make it work. And obviously, they never got to the point of having to to make it work. Uh, But there are also, I mean, um, Kitumba, which is the two-part story uh, where they go to the heart of the Klingon homeworld, uh, written by John Meredith Lucas. It's fantastic. It's one of the the best Star Trek scripts you'll ever read, or two of the best. Um, and it, you know, it's. I think Brian was actually inspired by it again for Discovery. Um, so there are there are things like that that you just really, really wish had happened. Um, I'll give you an example from TNG, which is. Um, both would have been amazing and could have been really, really terrible. Um, is Herb Wright, uh, the more than slightly eccentric uh, writer producer, um, was convinced that he was going to be able to do a story with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to eat in the Paramount commissary with uh, an old friend of his who worked on the Paramount lot. And uh, Herb was able to go up, you know, thought he could go up to him and he could get him to, to come and be in this episode of Star Trek. So he was going to be, uh, there was going to be a story that was kind of Q Olympics. So uh, two Qs would pit um, Picard and his crew versus an alien uh, species. Uh, and the alien species was going to be led by Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Um, and there are things in it like there's cosmic surfboards. Um, I mean, it's, it's seriously kind of out there. Um, and obviously if it had, had Schwarzenegger in it, it would have just been incredible, um, in every sense. Well, look, we did get the rock on Voyager. So exactly. we started. You know, yeah. Yeah. You take yeah. All the credit for the rock. Yeah. That, that almost sounds like a weird, I'm sorry to say it awful sequel to the way to Eden in a way yeah. that is the one with the, with the dirty, filthy space. Isn't it, John? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Thank you. Hey, I want to remind everybody, if you have a question for Ben, cause I'm seeing some questions turn up in the uh, chat room. Unfortunately, they're going by too fast. Plus I'm having trouble getting the full question. If you get a question for Ben, call us. I mean, get in touch with us at the zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or just pick up the phone. 669-900-6833. Maybe you think, Oh, I don't look good enough. Well, you sound great. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Then enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and in the comments. And then you, you know, can can be on and ask the questions yourself. There's been uh, there, there's been something that came up. Uh, I think it was when you were talking about the Adams slash Macquarie Prize. A couple of people have said, "Gosh, it'd be great to see that as a ship." Uh, getting to what you guys do at Eagle Moss, I'm curious how it is you go about picking what you do what you do concentrate on. I mean, I know you've got over a hundred at this point. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you're running out or, or where you are, but how do you go about, how do you go from, Oh, this would be kind of neat to this is in a box on the way to someone's house. Um, well, there are parts of the appeal of the collection was always going to be that we did ships. No one else had done. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of quite nice models of, enterprises out there or Voyager or Defiance. Um, we, from the beginning, wanted to be the people who did the, um, you know, the Alex Yeager fleet from First Contact or um, the Daedalus class, which we ended up doing after 100 issues. Um, so that's part of it, is that desire, I think, to be complete, particularly for Starfleet ships. Uh, we're pretty close to being complete now. Um, we're still working on some of the um, the ships that appeared in the wreckage at Quailor 2 um, and in the background in the odd shot. So there are Excelsior concepts um, that we're working on at the moment. Um, there are a couple of like rare variants of ships. So there's the original version of the Nebula class that appears in the, in the wreckage at the best of both worlds. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the guiding lights is to, to make sure that we have a complete collection of, uh, Starfleet ships. And then you kind of think, well, actually we ought to make sure we have a complete collection of Klingon ships. Um, and then we ought to have a complete collection of Vulcan ships and so on and so on. And then, uh, some of the other stuff's just cool stuff I like. That's all it comes down to. Right. I, I know uh, there was the joke earlier about space talk. Is there anything, is there anything that you've looked at and thought, Oh, maybe someday or, Oh, that's just going to be too big. I mean, is there something, is there something that every now and then you come back and go, mm, maybe. <sighs> We're just about to do Vija. Um, that's interesting because you never really see it in the film. Um, the one that I look at and I just go, no, we're not doing it. It's not going to work is the Narada. Um, because it, even if we could make it, we wouldn't be able to ship it to people in one piece. We have enough trouble with relatively robust ships. Um, something that's full of air and spindly arms or whatever they are, fronds, um, is, is just asking too much. And when you see the original 3D model, you realize it, it would just break if we tried to make it. Now, wait, wait a minute. I want, to, I want to go back to V'ger real quick here, because mm. when you say V'ger, I think of a little busted 20th century space probe. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. But, but <laughs> I, I know what you really mean is the, the V'ger entity, the, the V'ger uh, uh, that absorbed all the knowledge of the universe on its way back to Earth, which is something we never actually see on screen. So, and, and there are so, well, we don't see it in its entirety on screen. Yeah. And then there are so many versions of V'ger all along. Um, this might be very, uh, a long story for you to tell, but, but how do you narrow down what it is that you're going to do for V'ger? Well, actually V'ger is surprisingly straightforward. Um, hmm. it, we may not have seen it 
on screen in its entirety, but it was built in its entirety as a model. Um, then there are these the beautiful Sid Mead uh, drawings of it, of details. But they did actually work out what the the entire exterior of it looked like. I mean, obviously we can't do the clouds. Um, you have to make those yourself. Um, but, but yeah, somebody in the chat actually suggested that it would require gas canisters to be installed. <laughs> full effect. So we'll work on that, David. Yeah, yeah. Make your own for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we do we do actually know what Vija looked like, even if you can't work it out from seeing the film. So that one's not too scary. That's okay. That's okay. And, and I know the Ken, we have some business to do, but really quickly before we do that, Albert asks: Are there any TAS ships, the animated series? And I know that that well, okay, specifically there aren't, but there is a ship that kind of bridges that gap so far. And that's the, uh, the, the Antares, which uh, they use the design of the grain ship from the animated series. They did. They did. Yeah. Um, yeah I'd love to do an inflatable enterprise. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so tempted to do that. I want to do it every time. Um, some of them are physically impossible. Um, I can't pronounce it, Kukulun or uh, whatever it is, the uh, the Aztec god ship. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I don't think we could physically make. Um, it's kind of the, the frontier that we haven't got to yet. Um, I, I do think about the animated series. I mean, I, I, I loved watching it as a kid. I got very annoyed when they flopped the shots and the badges changed size. Um, I, it's, it's not impossible. Um, but, you know, there comes a point, I think, after 160 ships or whatever it is that we'll be at, where I'd be interested to see what people want at that point. Um, answers on a postcard. But, uh, we'll- oh, it's funny. Pe- people are already writing in. They say Doomsday Machine. They say Whale Probe from Star Trek VI. Is- the Whale no, Probe no, no is the most it. boring model in history. Um, <laughs> it's like a black rod. I mean, yeah. that's it. And we can't do the, the white light suspending the, the, uh, the sphere at the end. Uh, the, the Doomsday Machine, I have some ideas. But, uh, okay. Whale Probe, I, you know, honestly, honestly, people really just want like a black bit of rock. We can. <laughs> honestly, that, that might be your highest margin, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, no, because you know how difficult it is to get a black bit of rock to look exactly the same for every single model. It's so difficult. <laughs> Okay, that's a that's a good point. Hey, I want to remind people slightly wet as well. Yes, right. <laughs> that's true. And and well, you would build a light in the end, even though it wouldn't suspend the thing. But you see, I would I would be more interested in the little tadpole thing that was down at the bottom, the 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 round yeah. thing, because that had a little bit of surface to it. But I, I you know I guess I could build my own. I don't know. Hey, uh, we do have a, we do have a caller on the line, but we do have some business to do first. So let me remind everybody: six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Will has done that, and will will be with us momentarily. But first, uh, we would like to remind you about our shop because we have a shop of stuff. You know, some shirts, some tapestries, some stickers. I've given a lot away at this point. That's uh, conveniently located at missionlogpodcast.com. What you do is you go there. You look at Dan Davidson for as much or as little time as you want, and then you click shop up in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, Our friend Carl Huber has been cranking out a ton of really cool designs for us. Uh, Oh, there's Dan. Well, there was Dan. I'm watching the delay. Anyway, uh, uh, tell people, John, what kinds of stuff they can find there at the the shop at the uh, Mission Log site. Oh, Ken. Oh, Ken. You, you can get the isolinear version of John and Ken. Uh, that, that, is, um, that is actually a real thing. Uh, you have carbon chauvinism, the da Vinci version of that. You, you have everybody's favorite lieutenant. Well, I know she's my favorite lieutenant. That would be Jay. And you've got Bonk Bonk on the head since 1966. We also have our tribute to Nova Squadron. We have the Ditalix Mining Corporation. Remember, what's yours is mine. And we have old favorites like Cool as Kirk and Eat Those Pathos Logos. We even have the return of Have a Look at My Robot Guts. So all that and more can be yours at missionlogpodcast.com. And uh, if you're looking for those designs and say uh, a T-shirt that you could wear or uh, kind of believe you mentioned mugs, I believe you mentioned stickers. Um, you have some notebooks with our art on them. And, um, oh, there's one, there's one last... You see, you were so excited about saying it that you missed me saying it. There are tapestries. There everyone, are tapestries. Please. There are tapestries. Yeah. So what would be great tapestries. is you ordered a bunch of tapestries and then made a quilt. 
Yeah, even better, better, right? Yeah. yeah, and then you can yeah. sell that on Etsy. And my goodness, the be selling and reselling, and you could wrap all of your tiny little starships in the quilt. It's, it's amazing the number of things that you could do with the number of things about which we're talking. Uh, missionlogpodcast.com, and then click shop in the upper right-hand corner. And, uh, and yeah, you know, gives Carl a buck or two, gives us, you know, a buck or two, and, uh, and you get to wear some really neat, geeky stuff wherever you go. Yep. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833, our guest tonight, uh, Ben Robinson. And somebody's got a question for Ben, John. Yeah, I believe it's Will who's got a question who has been hanging on patiently. So, Will, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Hey, there he is. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I I wanted to say uh, this is a great guest to have right after you just had Rick Sternbach on last week. Right. And we, we talked about uh, uh, the Enterprise C with Rick. And uh, Eagle Moss just released the additional, the original Enterprise C uh, concept model. And I also see that they released the phase two enterprise. And I guess my question for Ben this evening is he had said that yesterday's enterprise was one of his favorite episodes of the next generation. And I also read that, um, uh, so was, uh, tapestry and, uh, what's the one with this, uh, the ship of the end where Cassie Grammer comes back. Keep the Cassie Grammer's Bozeman, the USS Bozeman goes up at the end of the episode. Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask Ben, what was his favorite? The Enterprise C or the USS Bozeman? And then I actually had a request of Ben. All right. Well, let's get your answers on those favorites, Ben. I, I'm very fond of the Enterprise C. Um, again, it's that kind of what could have been thing, you know, that there's this whole era of uh, Star Trek that we know nothing about. Um, Captain Rachel Garrett, she, she was on that ship for some time, um, but we don't know anything about it. We know, like, the name of one member of her crew. Um, it's, that's a huge missing part of uh, Star Trek history. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very fond of the Enterprise C. Uh, both versions, both Andy's and Rick's. Well, I loved any time that uh, any of the original series, even if it was movie era stuff, ended up on screen in The Next Generation. Uh, so I agree with you. And I guess my request and my reason for calling in tonight would be as much as I love your entire line and the detail of the Eagle Moss ships, is there any way you could possibly give us an enterprise set in which all the enterprises were to scale with one another? We looked at it. Um, I know it's something that people want. Um, one of the, the fundamental things about our business model is that we're able to say to people, it's the same price every ship. Um, okay, we do big ones that are a bit more expensive or whatever, but uh, that was a big part of the, the offer and it being predictable and fair. And the problem with doing all the enterprises in scale with one another is that they were radically different. Um, and that means they would be radically different prices. Um, the, the, the NXO one, if you put it next to, I mean, I'm assuming we're leaving out the J because that's miles long. So we wouldn't be bothering with that. Um, but to have the NXO one and the E, you're talking about you know, something really, really different, um, and it's a pricing issue. Um, and we decided that, that you know practically, most people want to be able to put things on a shelf in their den, um, and therefore we picked a size that worked for that rather than making everything in scale. Um, and it's un- it's unfortunate in some ways, but I think it actually makes for a better collection. It's a beautiful collection, and I asked simply because I didn't know if you could make it all in one set, but I understand that. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, taking away a question and having me on tonight, guys. Hey, thank Thank you, you, Will. Yeah. 
I have a question for you, actually, and this this may sound weird, and it's certainly geeky, but hey, we're doing a Star Trek podcast <laughs> yeah. with a Star Trek yeah, expert. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, when I got when I got my tiny little Franklin, I, I, I immediately tried to wipe off whatever the heck got smudged on it because all of my other starships look amazingly like pristine. Mm. And then uh, luckily I didn't try too hard to rub everything off because I realized we've only seen the Franklin after it was buried under stuff for like a hundred years, 150 years. Is there, is there any, uh, when you guys, I mean, is screen accuracy what you're going for? I mean, like if we had only ever seen a ship with a hole blown in its side, is that what you would have? Or would you have a, this is this ship when it came off the line. And, uh, and if you want to make it, you know, all bunged up, you go out and drop it on a rock. <laughs> yeah, um, that is, that's a good question, actually, because obviously the, the ships that are the wreckage at Wolf 359, we have not just done a smashed up bit of uh, the cell or whatever. So those do look pristine. Um, the Franklin, I guess, it was, it was designed to look like that. Um, if you talk to uh, if you talk to Sean Hargreaves, um, when I talk to Sean Hargreaves, um, you know, it, it was always the intention that the ship would be, would be dinged up and would be dirty. And they never actually designed a completely pristine version of it. Um, whereas actually, funnily enough, with the Wolf 359 ships, there are, you know, shots of the, the pristine versions uh, sitting on Rick's coffee cup um that we were able to use as reference so uh, generally speaking we go for pristine off the line but the franklin was a bit of an exception uh remember guys if you want to join the chat just like our friend will did you can call us at 669-900-6833 or you can click on the link for the zoom meeting and you'll be joining us with video we can see your face you can see our face and we just chat it up um Ben, I, I would like to ask you, so I, I know that Eagle Moss is your primary thing right now, but as I mentioned, you have had a hand in so many different versions of Star Trek professionally uh, mm-hmm. by working on magazines and books and conducting interviews, and, and you are one of this, uh, this rare breed of Star Trek experts who sort of gets to have a hand in so much. And I'm curious, you know, beyond uh, consulting with the Starship collection, is there anything else that you're working on now where you can reveal anything else that is to come in the future? Um, I'm working on a book with Dan Curry um, about Dan's, well, about everything about Dan and his, his years on Star Trek, which is a, a massive subject. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time talking to Dan, which has been a real pleasure. Um, we uh, continue to develop new Star Trek products that I can't tell you about um, that will be coming out sometime in the next couple of years. Um, and actually, quite excitingly, we've got our first books, uh, the first one of Eagle Moss Hero Collector books coming out. Uh, first one is out on September 25th, I think. So this is, um, we've got a couple of things going on. It's basically this, the content that um, you get in the magazines, the books that come with the, with the models. Uh, but there's more of it. Um, we pull it all together. So we're doing one series of books that's like a kind of Jane's fighting ships for Star Trek, which should build up into this kind of massive uh, encyclopedia that has all of the new um, Starfleet ships from Discovery, um, apart from the Enterprise, which arrived a little bit too late to be included, but we have the original Enterprise, so that's fine. Uh, and then one, another series, which is about the designing of the ships, which again has got extended articles and more articles than we ever put in with the models. And you talked about the fact files. Uh, we're actually going back and digging out the material from the fact files and go do some kind of, uh, we're calling them illustrated handbooks, but they're like uh, technical manuals uh, for the different ships. So the first will have all those isometric drawings of all the different rooms on the ships and all the tech and all that kind of stuff. So the Enterprise D will be out next year and I'm all going well. That will be followed by an original series um, handbook, which is something I've been wanting to own for a long time. Going to uh, what you were talking about earlier about things that have not been seen on screen, sort of, yeah, in DC, they call them Elseworlds. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. the, with that thing in DC. Okay, for people who don't know, Elseworlds will be a thing. Like, what if Bruce Wayne's parents had found uh, Kal El when he crashed here? So he grows up with the power of Superman, but he's raised by the people who end up giving you Batman. What is that like? That seems to be sort of the kind of thing that that 
forgive me for putting words in your mouth, that seems to be sort of the kind of thing that interests you in the stuff that never got made. I want to jump over to something that uh, Eagle Moss does as well, which is you guys actually put out um, uh, collections of comic books, graphic novels, things mm-hmm. like that. One of the ones that you guys have put out is um, Harlan Ellison's um, uh, City on the Edge of Forever, his original script, that treatment of it. Is there, and I don't know exactly what my question is, is there an area that you would like to see somebody explore in that, in that realm? Because you guys didn't draw that. I mean, you reprinted from somebody yeah, else's, right? Yeah. Yes, it's a library edition, as it were. So we, we took that from IDW. I mean, I, I would love uh, to see IDW do, do the Phase 2 scripts as, as a comic book strip. Um, I think that's, that's something that's really interesting. I mean, one of the things I find very exciting about this time in the history of Star Trek is that CBS All Access is clearly looking at all manner of ideas for Star Trek and that these kind of gaps in the history, you hear rumors, you start thinking yourself, oh, it would be really cool if they did this or they did that. And I I kind of hope that we get to see some of those gaps plugged actually on TV in you know, regular episodes of Star Trek, finally finding out where Captain Picard will be in 20 years' time. or Well, not 20 years' time today, 20 years after the last uh, time we saw him. Is that is that what you personally would like to do? Because there's been a lot of... Uh, well, there. We don't like to talk about the fact that there are divisions in the fandom, even though we did a whole panel on uh, a fandom divided earlier this summer. Do you want to see them keep going back and plugging holes in the history, or do you want to go where no Star Trek has gone before? I'm excited by the thought that I don't know what it's going to be. Um, I think there is a bit of a problem with um, technology inflation in Star Trek that, you know, that the number of times the writers were like, Oh, how do we get out of this? And then, you know, someone has some brilliant piece of technology. And then a couple of weeks later, you're wondering why didn't they use that brilliant piece of technology that they had uh, a couple of weeks ago? Um, so I think you keep going into the future, it, you know, how much shinier can the spaceships get? How much uh, tighter can the, the uniforms get? Um, so I think there's a, a limit to going forward. Um, I think there's also something interesting about being able to say, how did they get from here to there? Um, it, to me, I, what, I, what I like is the idea that, you know, you'll have discovery in one time period, you'll have the Picard show in another time period, and potentially you might have something else in another time period. So, you know, we could have a Zephyr and Cochrane series, uh, we could have a, Khan in the eugenics wars series um you know that all those things are are possible uh, and that's actually i think a, a bit more exciting than oh yeah well there'll be another ship with another captain hmm. uh, our, our friend earl says uh, that he's still holding out for his pitch for a discovery spinoff cooking show walk with vok <laughs> i think you're onto something you know, earl. you know that yeah. i'd watch it yeah yeah human or klingon cuisine though that's uh, uh, maybe Kelpian. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I know. What too soon, Ken? Is that is that it? Yeah, always too soon for that, John. Always, always too soon for yeah. that. Hey, I want to remind people if you do have questions, and thanks to everybody who's posting questions in the chat room. But give us a call six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Should we go ahead? Should we do the promo for the thing? And then, and then, of course, I'm, I'm sure because you spent a good bit of the day with them. I'm sure you've already yeah. told Ben all about the lightning round. Oh, oh, yeah. We were, we were looking at stuff in the archive and it slipped my mind. Slipped your mind. Yes, yeah. of course, because yeah, that so. never happens. All right. Well, yeah. uh, Ben, I, I, I've never, I didn't grow up in England, so I don't know if you have lightning rounds there or not, but we'll find out in a moment and you'll find out how they go if they don't. Uh, really quickly, though, um, I wanted to tell you about something to do a little bit later tonight if you're listening live, and I certainly hope you are. Uh, stay on Facebook and get to the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. They're going a little bit late tonight. Uh, generally speaking, that show starts at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they've shifted to about uh, 8.30 tonight, 11.30 Eastern. Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. This is TV and uh, movie news. This is gaming news, literary reviews, and then lots of interaction with the listeners as well. 
So uh, like I say, 8.30 tonight, 11.30 Eastern. Uh, stick around, uh, go to facebook.com slash priority one podcast and check that live recording. Or if you can't be here for the live show, uh, podcast.roddenberry.com. That is, of course, uh, going to have a link there to uh, priority one. The show that they're recording tonight comes out Friday. And of course, you'll also find uh, the track files, Women at War, Mission Log and Mission Log Live there as well. And if you haven't heard Mission Log Live, I think I just created a paradox. <laughs> Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Ben, I've not listened to nor watched um, game shows in the UK, but are you familiar with the idea of a lightning round? Uh, quick questions, quick answers. Quick oh. questions, quick answers. See yeah. already. And that was the first one. So way to go! <laughs> All right, here we go with the lightning round. Favorite starship, Ben. Original series, 1701. Okay, good answer. Favorite episode? Ever? Ever. Any track. No, I can't do that. That's not possible. Okay, all right. I'll tell you what. I'll make it a little easier for you. Favorite episode of TOS? Um, I really, well, obviously, Sitting on the Edge of Forever is the greatest episode of Star Trek ever made, but I really, really like Errand of Mercy. Ooh, okay. Good call. Uh, Borg Queen, yes or no? Yes. Interesting. Uh, Alice Creed or Susanna Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually asking about the character, but if you, go ahead. Alice Creed, but they're both lovely. Yes. Um, favorite tech from Trek? Uh, Transporter. What's your warp speed? Uh, 0.2. <laughs> Engineering, <laughs> science, or ops? Ops. Uh, favorite Star Trek antagonist? Khan. Favorite or core, actually. Core. I'm going to go oh. core. I'm going to change my mind. Going back to Aaron and Mercy. I, uh, John Colocos. It was awesome. Wow. Good call. Okay. Uh, favorite beast from Trek? Regular Bloodworm. Damn, nice. All right. Uh, date night. Not saying me and you, Ben, but just in general. Date night. Arboretum or 10 forward? Uh, 10 forward. That is correct. I'm going to. I'm going to throw in another question uh, because I was surprised uh, by your warp speed. Uh, warp speed or wormhole? Or, I'm sorry, warp drive or wormhole? Uh, warp drive, much more reliable than a wormhole, unless it's the Bajoran wormhole. Mm-hmm. But you're practically... Things on the other side. That's true. Warp speed, warp speed. It's, it's, wormholes never end well. <laughs> and finally, the last question, and it's always the last question. Have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have not. I really should. I hear you should. I hear wonderful things. We haven't been either. So, you know, don't feel bad. It's just. uh, Can we? We have to add Ben to our cavalcade of stars when we do our uh, our glorious appearance (laughs) at the Vulcan, Alberta, (laughs) Canada thing. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. We should actually go back and find. Trick three. Yeah, that would be great. Well, I was going to say we should go back and actually find uh, everybody who has answered no to that question, and that is our Vulcan Alberta Canada show. That's the lineup right there. Yeah, except, except we can't take Doug. No, <laughs> they will of course beat him up once he gets there. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I'm curious. You know, we we've talked about uh, teeny tiny spaceships tonight, teeny tiny starships in the uh, Eagle Moss collection, and I, I know that there are probably. Uh, 130 different answers to this because that's roughly how many ships you've got right now. But I'm curious, you know, what have been the biggest challenges when it comes to that? I know that there are moments when you have, say, a a CG model from the production. There are other ships that only exist in photographs and on film now. Um, I'm curious what have been the biggest challenges, but then what has led to the biggest success or biggest surprise out of those challenges? Uh, well, the, the biggest challenge is the stuff that people really, really love. So when we did the original series Enterprise, uh, you know that everyone is going to look at that and they are going to be hypercritical. They, they love it. They are going to want it to be the way they remember it. Uh, and uh, it turned out really, really well. Um, so like, I was, it was because I was absolutely terrified and I spent about 10 times as long on it as I did on anything else. Um, and that it still kind of gives me a warm glow and makes me much happier than almost anything else. 
Um, and in terms of really big challenges, we're really, really struggling. Uh, I don't think it's going to end well uh, with doing the Fusarius. Um, it really challenges the the uh, the technology that the factory have in making this stuff. So I'm, I'm a bit depressed about the Fusarius at the moment. Um, uh, so so was Baylock after uh, you know yeah. uh, defeated him. Yeah. You know. um, I, I, when, when you mentioned the Enterprise, I mean, uh, obviously that's the ship that everyone has spent the most time poring over with every detail, and, and there have been so many articles written about it. I mean, do you, do you find that you have to sort of shut out a certain amount of the noise at some point? I mean, I've read entire websites about whether or not there are lines on the deflector grids on, on the top yeah, of the... They're in pencil. They're in pencil. They are there, right? Or the color is it gray? Is it green? Is it blue? Is it the? It, you know, there's just so much about it. Yeah, I mean, you. Any of our ships, the truth is that they are. Although they are the, I, I generally would say they are the most accurate, and that we have the best reference, um, and that we take the most trouble. Um, certainly at our price point. Um, but there are always things on them. You know, we're making $25, $30 models. You, you know, you cannot make uh, something that's the equivalent of a $10,000 model. Um, though people, I'm quite flattered that people treat them as if we were able to. Um, so there are always compromises. And I think that you just hope that it feels right. You know, that when people pick it up and go, yeah, this is, this is the Reliant or this is the, the Enterprise. There are things they, they did that we can't do. So they, um, when they painted the Aztec patterns on ships, they paint um, some of it was in matte and some of it was in gloss, as it were. And then they were able to actually, they changed from shot to shot how reflective the glossy stuff was. So you've got to make a choice. You can't do that on your practical model. Um, you just have to try and do something that's as, as close to it as you can. Uh, some, were, go ahead, Ken. There were, a couple of, uh, there were a couple of questions that I saw pass by really quickly. Uh, discovery question specifically, are there plans to make these smaller uh, discovery ships? I know you guys do the XL was one question that somebody asked. I'm sorry, I missed who. And then another question was, is there a plan to make the discovery enterprise? Uh, we have made Discovery Enterprise. Um, oh, uh, I, no one's seen it apart from me yet. Um, <laughs> ah. but we've made it. Actually, no, it's not quite true. I sent, I sent a picture to Johnny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're actually making it as an Excel ship first. Um, and uh, we're pretty optimistic that that will be out before the end of the year. If not, it will be right at the beginning of next year. Um, for the Discovery ships, if you look at the original collection, there are some ships that I don't think we did justice to because of the the size of the box. So the Enterprise E or the Excelsior, they are very long and thin, and you put them in the box and they become very small because the box is only so long. Uh, and the Discovery itself is probably the longest proportionally ship uh, in, in Star Trek. So we looked at that and we looked at the amount of detail on the models. These, these CG models are specced out. I mean, they are way more detailed than anything that's ever been made for Star Trek before. Um, and we, we felt that we had to move up in scale to do that. And I think that's the right choice um, looking at them. So I don't think we'll ever do them in another, another scale. We might do them bigger um, if there's an appetite for that, but uh, not smaller. I, I, there was another question that occurs to me, and we are running really close on time. So I'm going to ask uh, Brandon, our technical director, if he could put up your contact information while I ask you this question. Um, is there a ship that you've been surprised how much you liked it once you saw it in 3D? Because you mentioned the Discovery, and I was not a fan of the design of the Discovery until I held one of those, one of the, actually one of the Eagle Moss in my hand, and suddenly I had an appreciation for it in a way that I hadn't. I think even more than that, the, the new Klingon Bird of Prey. Um, okay. That is something, it just flashes by on screen, but when you actually pick up the model, it's like, that's sweet. Um, and I think people will feel the same way about a lot of the other Klingon ships when they actually get to, to hold them. Um, that's been a, a little bit of a surprise, I guess, but they're, they're really nice. 
Uh, we've got Ben's information up on the screen, but for people who uh, can't see it, uh, on the, the Facebook uh, site that we're sending people to is facebook.com slash Star Trek Starships. Uh, the shop to go to, of course, is shop.eaglemouse.com. And if you want to follow Ben on Twitter, it's Ben C.S. Robinson. That is at Ben, uh, ben C.S. Robinson. Uh, if you want to keep up with what's going uh, on with him on Twitter, Ben, uh, I, we just can't thank you enough for for being on with us and uh, and really appreciate your your bringing your Star Trek expertise to the Mission Log Live uh, listeners and viewers. Oh, well, it's definitely for me to thank you. I've seen some uh, very cool stuff in your drawers. Uh, <laughs> 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 Say that to you. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I'd rather not answer that question, Ben. But uh, yeah, thank you for asking. I appreciate uh, it, Ben. Yeah, thank you, and uh, we we definitely appreciate the uh, the collaboration. Uh, it's been nice to uh, to get to know you and all the guys at Eagle Moss. And with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks. Producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Pod- Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, and The Trek Files. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. We will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.